How y'all feeling? You feel good? Hey, you can hug someone's neck on the way down. That's just the beginning. It's going to be good tonight. Hope you're excited. Did anybody come expectant for God to move in their life? Yeah? I hope you did. Well, there's a drawing from my son in preschool. Oh, yeah. Give me some brownie points, you know. Uh, man, I hope that you guys are ready for a great night, man. Uh, prayed a lot about tonight and have a lot of expectations. Um, I have wrestled with this message because I believe that it's so important. And I believe that God has such a powerful word. Uh, but, but before we dive in, I have uh, something. Y'all are my fam. Y'all feel like family here? Okay, seven of you, thank you. Uh, but I, I want to let y'all into some uh, some cool news. Uh, some cool things been going down at the Matrone household. So I just want to share a little something with you right here. Come on, come on. Uh, yes. You can keep it up. Uh, baby number two is coming soon. Uh, May 3rd is our due date. My wife is in her second trimester. My beautiful wife, Jerrica. My beautiful son, Abram. Yep. It was uh, 20 degrees, and so that was the best face we could get out of him. Uh, and we are praying for a baby girl. I want, I want a daddy's girl so bad. I, I'm, I'm so excited. So can you all pray for that, that we have a, a beautiful, healthy little baby girl? Can you pray for that? Come on. Awesome. Hey, we have an announcement. We haven't posted on Instagram. Y'all the first to know. Come on. That just shows you how much I love you. Oh, uh, man, excited. So it's going to be a great season. Great season. I don't know if I'm ready. I'm not ready. I wasn't ready for one, so I definitely won't be ready for two, but by God's grace. Um, well, so we're into our relationship series, and this is our final week of our relationship series, and I feel like God's done a lot of cool things over the past few weeks, and hopefully the Lord has spoke to you and challenged you. We've gotten a lot of really great feedback on some things that God has done in people's lives, and uh, but as a team, over the past weeks, we've really been praying of like, how do we want to end this thing? And we felt like God was pushing our hearts to talk about healing tonight. And um, man, I, I feel like I wrestled with this message tonight because I feel like the enemy didn't want it to happen. Uh, because there's going to be breakthroughs going to take place in, in, in this place tonight. And, and you may, there may be someone who gets immediately healed tonight. But for the most part, there's going to be a lot of people who tonight starts your healing journey. And so you're going to look back in, a, in many years from now and say, that was the night. That was the night I can look back and say, that was the night where I chose and believed that God wanted to heal me and he could. And that started my journey. And so um, we're, we're going to go there tonight and we're going to get there. And so if you're feeling some tension, you're feeling like maybe lackadaisical, like you're uninterested, it's because the enemy is trying to keep you from experiencing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so something's powerful is going to happen tonight. So I'm going to dive right in and we're going to talk about healing, which is the process of bringing something back to its original healthy state. We're going to bring you back, get you back to the place that God originally intended for you. But some relationships have kind of deterred you, but we're going to get back to it. And so I'm going to read a passage out of Mark chapter five. And it's a story that I've preached on many times, uh, probably not to this group, but I've preached this message many times, not this message, but this story. And it's this woman who has this issue of bleeding. You've probably heard it many times before, but it's in Mark chapter five. And it starts in verse 24. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, it'll be on the screens. You ready? Cool. All right. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, him being Jesus. 
And a woman uh, was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Someone give me an amen. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched you? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told them the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That this is the God that we serve. Psalm 147.3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Let me pray for you, Lord. Thank you so much for uh, tonight, God. Man, you, you have gone before. Man, I, I just believe, Lord, that a night like tonight could change the trajectory for, of someone's life. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't stand up on this stage. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have been on my hands and knees begging you to move in this place this week, Lord. So God, we love you, we trust you, we give everything to you, and we ask all this in your name. Everybody says, amen, amen. All right. Has anybody had a really bad injury before? Like you broke something, you tore something, you had a bad burn, uh, a, a flesh wound maybe, some of you. Um, I, I, I didn't really have many bad injuries in my life. I went uh, all through uh, high school and college playing football, and, and, and I never had any major injuries. The worst injury that I had, I was 24 years old, and it was in the, bath, it was in the bathtub. And it was weird, but uh, so it was this night, I, it was probably about 10 o'clock at night, and, and I'm taking a shower, and I'm done taking a shower, and I, I, had, I forgot to grab a towel, and the towel was kind of a little bit of a distance away from me. And so instead of getting out, because I hate getting the floor wet, um, I decided I was going to reach for the towel. Well, I reached for the towel, and my feet go... <laughs> And I literally went parallel in my ribs, destroyed the side of the tub. And I couldn't breathe. And I pulled the shower curtain down with me. So my wife hears what happens and she comes running in there and I'm standing there and the water is like everywhere and I'm sitting there with uh, the, the shower curtain on top of me and I'm like, She's like, what happened? And she's trying not to laugh because I look like a complete idiot. I'm just a giant meathead just laying there in absolute pain. And, and, and I'm like, babe, ah. no lie. We went to the emergency room that night. We go to the emergency room, and, and I had absolutely, like, destroyed my ribs. I had, I had bruises upon bruises. And it was really humiliating. But the funny thing was is that after that, I took taking a shower very seriously, Okay. I had gone 20-some years never thinking about being safe in the shower, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I need to be safe in the shower. So for the next six months, I bought one of those, like, those rubber things that you put in the bottom, and every time I got it, I was like, okay. (laughs) 
And then I would put the towel real close to me and I would never like, I would never reach for it. I'd always step out and I would always grab a towel. So it completely changed everything about how I took a shower because I did not want to get hurt again. And, you know, I think for uh, physical injuries, what's the mindset that we go to after a physical injury? Well, we're a little bit more careful after that injury. We're a little bit more thoughtful, right? We kind of control the situation that got us hurt in the first place, or we avoid the situation altogether. You see, when you get physically hurt, it sends your body and your mind a message that, hey, that hurt, don't do that again. That's what happens with a physical injury. But I think a lot of us have found ourselves in the same place with some relational injuries. Because the reality is there's a lot of people in this room where you have sustained some deep level of relational injuries. And for a lot of people, every, for some people, every relationship that they leave, it seems like they leave just a little bit more wounded than the relationship before. And relationship after relationship, wound after wound, and it just begins to compound. And we have a lot of people who walk around here with a lot of relational shrapnel in their lives. Relation, the older that you live, the more relationships that you have, the more opportunity you have to be hurt. And so there's a lot of people who have sustained a lot of relational injuries. Amen? Some of us in this room, right? There's this term in psychology. It's called PTRS. So it's like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. But PTRS is post-traumatic relationship syndrome. So it's, it's a real term. But it's post-traumatic relationship syndrome. And this term explains anybody who has experienced some level of trauma from a relationship. Anybody who has experienced some level of some kind of trauma from a relationship. And I think that's most people. Now, relationship trauma can cover a wide spectrum of things. It, it, it can cover all sorts of things, and not to put these things as, as equal or, or the same as each other, but it can cover a wide spectrum of things. So, so someone can experience relationship trauma because at one point in their life, they got lied to. They got cheated on. They got abandoned. They got manipulated. They went through an ugly breakup. Things like that, which, which cause trauma, which cause an overwhelming amount of stress on your soul, your mind, your body, all the way to things like abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, molestation, rape. Experience deep levels of trauma. And, and, and the thing about relationship trauma and this, this stress disorder is that it doesn't just have to come from a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could have came from a parent, could have came from a guardian, could have came from a close family friend, could have came from a stranger. In relationship trauma knows no age. So you can have relationship trauma and experience that at a young age, as a young child, all the way to being a grown adult. See, many people in a room like this, if I was to pull 10 people up on stage, there's probably about at least nine people who could list off at least one, if not many other scenarios in their life when it came to relationships and why they have sustained relational trauma and injuries, and they could tell you how it's affected their relationships or their potential relationships. See, 
I think a lot of people like to try to pretend like the things that happened in your life do not affect you now because you're stronger than that. You've gotten through that. And so what happened, it doesn't really matter. It happened forever ago. It doesn't affect me. But, but I believe that every time that we experience any kind of relational injury or any kind of relational trauma, it affects our life and it affects our souls deeply. And, and here's how. Let, let, let me explain this. Here's what happens after or a moment that we experience some relational trauma or we experience some kind of injury. Okay, this is what happens. When something like that happens, a message is sent to you and then you make a vow, okay? A message is sent to you and you make a vow. Let me explain this. So take, for instance, that you are cheated on, okay? Some people have experienced that. You were cheated on. And so you sustained in this moment this relational injury that deeply affected you. And so in that moment when you found out the message that was sent to you was you're not enough. That if you were enough, then they wouldn't have cheated on you. If you did this, did more of that, said more of this, acted this way, dressed more this way, then they would not have cheated on you because the person that they cheated on you with, if you were more like them, they wouldn't have cheated on you. And so it sends this message to you that you are not enough. And because that message was sent to you and it hurt you deeply wounded and affected you, you never wanted to experience again. So you made a vow to yourself and the vow that you made was I'm never going to trust. I'm always going to control my relationships. I'm never going to let that happen to me again. So I'm going to control and I'm not going to give out trust very easily. Or, or, or maybe a relationship injury that you experienced was being abandoned. That at a young age, maybe your father left. Your father left, and your father never called. And you deep down desired a relationship with your father, but your father did not desire a relationship with you. And even at a young age, maybe when your dad left, maybe you couldn't articulate it, but the message that was sent to you was you're not worth sticking around for. You're not worth sticking around for. If you were, then they wouldn't have left. And so you made a vow, whether consciously or subconsciously, you made a vow of, you know what? I don't need anybody. And so you numbed yourself. So I never want to experience that again. I'm never going to experience abandonment again. And so you know what? I just don't need anybody. I'm going to walk through this life needing no kind of relationship. Or maybe for you, it was you abused. You had a moment or many moments in your life where you experienced a deep level of abuse. And the message that was sent to you, oftentimes the message that is sent to a male who's abused is that you're weak. The message that is sent to a female who's abused is that it was your fault. And so you make a vow to yourself that I will never let anybody close to me again. Because the people that I let close to me ended up hurting me. So I always keep people at an arm's length. So we have these relational trauma, these moments in our lives. It sends us this message. It deeply affects us. And so because we never want to experience it again, we make a vow that that will never happen to me again. And here's the thing, is that these vows become our guardian. These vows become our guardian, and our guardians is what keeps us safe. Our guardian is what protects us. 
And behind the guardian, my vow, the thing that I decided that I'll never let anybody pass, the thing that we, that we chose that no one, no matter what, is going to get past this, we use this to protect us. And we allow it only let people to see the parts of us that we want to see. We only let people into the parts that, that we want to let them into. You see, a lot of us, we have these gardens because this garden, it, it protects me from ever getting hurt again. And it helps me keep people at an arm's length. So I made this vow. This vow has become my guardian. You see, in many people, your vow, your guardian, has become your lifeline. Your guardian has become your best friend. Your guardian has become the thing that you put most your trust in because it keeps people at an arm's distance. Because a lot of us, we've had moments in life where we try to get outside of our guardian. We, we, we meet someone, we kind of let our guard down. We're like, okay, I think that I'm cool now. I think that I can engage in a relationship again. And all of a sudden, we engage in a relationship. And then in a second, they hurt us. And then we jump right back behind our guardian. Say, I knew it. I knew I never should have trusted anybody. And so we keep relationships at an arm's distance because of the vows that we have made towards relationships. You see, I'm not saying that you're wrong for having a guardian. Okay, can, can you hear me on that? Because some of you have experienced such relational trauma. And so these guardians have helped keep you safe. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a guardian in, in times and in seasons of your life. What I am saying, though, is I don't think that God ever intended for our relationships to function this way. I don't think that God intended for us to live our lives in pursuit of relationships and people in pursuit of a relationship with us constantly with this guard between us, this vow that we have made to keep ourselves from getting hurt to protect us. And, and see, this is why I know that I don't think God intended this for us because God designed us for this, with this deep desire to be needed and to be known. Okay, our, listen, our God is a relational God and we were made in his image. So if we're made in God's image, then that means that we are relational beings. Okay, so God created you to be relational. God created you to desire connectivity. God created you to desire intimacy. God wants that for you. But however, many of us will live our entire lives, maybe every relationship, even into our marriage, behind our guardian never allowing us to experience the connectivity and the intimacy that God deep down desires for you. And can I tell you that this is just not what God intended for you? Can, can I tell you that God still desires those deep, intimate, connected relationships for you? That no matter what has happened, no matter what you've experienced, no matter the hurt that you have, no matter the guardians and the vows that you have, that, that God still desires for you to have that, that God still wants that for you, that no matter how far you've gone, no matter what someone has done for you, that, you, that God still believes and wants and desires for you to have that kind of relationship, that you can have that. But for many of us, the reality is, is to even begin to think about these kind of relationships that God intended we need healing from past ones, right? Like we, we, we think about this, we, we want these relationships over the past few weeks, you're like, I, I want that relationship. I think that God desires that for me. I want that relationship. You can't even begin to think about that kind of relationship until you begin to get healing from your past ones. So you're in here, you're like, okay, Andrew, I get it. A lot went down in my life. A lot of junk went down in my life, whether self-inflicted or not. And I've made some vows and I've created some guardians to protect myself and, and to protect myself from relationships. And I know that I need healing, but I just don't know how. 
I, I, I know that if I was being honest, I know that I need healing. I, I just don't know how to do that. And so we're going we're gonna to go back to this woman's story. And we're going to get there. And it's going to happen tonight. And we're going to start a process tonight for you. And I believe that. So, so don't, don't hang your head low because I, I know I just brought some stuff up. And I stirred the pot. I stirred your soul up a little bit. And so we're going to get there. All right. I promise you. So the story I read earlier about this woman, we don't know anything about this woman. We don't know her story. We don't know her background. We don't know her name. We don't know her beliefs. We don't know anything about this woman. All we know about this woman is that this woman has an issue, and it's an issue of bleeding, okay? And if we're being real talk, it's, it's a menstrual issue, okay? So she has been bleeding for 12 years has been this woman's story. In this issue of bleeding is her label. This is how people know her. This is how she identifies with society. This is how people identify her. Literally, the Bible says the woman with the issue of blood. That's how people recognize this woman. And because of this issue, this woman is deemed an outcast. This woman is deemed unclean. She's deemed unworthy. So this is this woman's physical issue, but she also has a social issue because people don't want to be around her. And so you can think about if you have a physical issue and a social issue, that probably means you have a mental issue and probably you have some relational issues. So you can imagine that this woman, her life in this place, she has no connectivity, no intimacy. We don't know this, but maybe one point she had a husband and all of a sudden she had this issue and he said, I can't be around you. So he left. Maybe people who were close to her in the beginning years, over time, the more dirty she got, the more they began to walk away. So she has some serious physical, mental, relational issues in her life. And so this woman for 12 years has been sent this message. You are unclean, therefore you're unworthy. That's the message that she's been sent over and over again. And so obviously this woman wants to get healed. And so it says that she goes to many doctors and she uses all of her resources, all of her time, all of her energy to get treatment. And it says that doctor after doctor, she'd go to one doctor who prescribed one treatment and then it wouldn't work. And so she'd muster up the rest of her money. She'd go to another doctor and then he would prescribe treatment. Then it wouldn't work. Doctor after doctor after doctor. And this was her result. Mark 5, 26 said she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Suffered a great deal under many doctors. We have suffered a great deal under many relationships. And we go to each relationship thinking that once I get past this one, I'll go into a new relationship. It'll probably be a little bit better. But for a lot of people, it ends up just being worse. And you still stay wounded. And then you leave that relationship feeling worse than you did before. That's a lot of people's story. You see, listen, what this woman was beginning to understand and what you need to understand is that true healing will not come by way of other people. That's point number one. True healing will not come by way of other people. Listen, herein lies one of the greatest tragedies of many relationships. Are you ready for this? You want to know the biggest tragedy in relationships? It's this. It's the thought that if I can find the right person, that person will heal me of all my relational baggage. If I could just find the right one, I know that God has that right one for me. 
that he's going to love me and she's going to treat me right and it's going to be this amazing relationship. If I could just find the right person, then all the things that I've ever gone through, I will finally experience healing in the kind of relationship that I want. See, so many people walk into relationships like this, but usually instead of one person walking in with some baggage, both people are, are, are moving in with their baggage. And then they begin to engage in relationship with one another. And it's like, okay, fix me now. Heal me. Here's all my stuff. Are you cool with it? Can you handle it? Right? It's, it, it's like the song uh, this famous prophet Julia Michaels once sang, because I got issues, but you got them too. So give me all of yours and I'll give mine to you. Right? Come on, bask in the glory of all of our problems because we got all the kind of love it takes to solve them, right? I got issues and so do you. So give me yours and I'll give mine to you. And then we'll live happily ever after because we're going to have the kind of love that it takes to defeat and all these things that we've ever experienced in our lives. Come on, y'all. We, we, we laugh, but, but there's a lot of us, I think there's a level of truth to this. Man, if, if I can find someone with a lot of the similar issues to me, then, then they, can, they can help me heal mine, and I'll help heal. And it's going to be this beautiful relationship. Can I tell you something? That's called codependency, and that's dangerous. It, it's, it, it's saying, look, it's saying I'm dependent on you to help me and heal me and to restore me and to redeem me. And I'll do the same for you. No, you won't. Listen. Please hear me. If you want to damage every relationship you get into, let this be your approach. You want to damage and ruin every relationship you've ever been into, then let this be your approach. Say, here's my junk. I'll take yours. See, here, here's why this is so dangerous. Have you ever noticed that the more hurt we are from relationships, the more we expect from other people? You know, like the, the more wounded we are, the more we go into relationships with this unrealistic expectation and unrealistic standard. And when we do that, at the first sign of things not going well, we bail. And so that's why a lot of us, relationship after relationship, it ends just in this absolute train wreck because we were so wounded from our past one and so we enter into a new relationship and we have these unrealistic expectations and standards and the second they don't meet them, we bail. And I, I felt like I needed to say this. Um, I think someone needs to hear this, and I think this is important. And I'm not trying to ruffle feathers, but there's some people in here where you may think that every person in your life has maliciously hurt you. Maybe they have. Maybe every person that you've ever been in a relationship with has maliciously and on purpose hurt you. Maybe so. But it may be because you've held everyone in your life to a standard that no one can keep. And, and, and you look at the person across from you and, and you say, how on earth could you ever hurt me? Can I tell you how? Because people are people. People are flawed, okay? People have issues. People have struggles. People have sins. Look, people will hurt you. Every relationship that you get into, at some point, that person might hurt you. Okay, listen, the reality is, is that you're going to get into a marriage one day. That person that God uh, placed you with, and you're going to stand before that person, you're going to say your vows, it's going to be beautiful, and you're going to consummate the marriage, it's going to be beautiful and weird and awkward, hopefully, and it's going to be all, all sorts of things. You're going to find that person, but can I tell you that your spouse one day will hurt you? 
I'm not saying that your spouse will abuse you one day. I'm not saying that your spouse will cheat on you one day. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you that your spouse one day will hurt you. I have hurt my wife. I have said things and done things to my wife that I regret. I have hurt my wife and vice versa. Because we are humans and we have flaws and we have sins. And and so we keep putting all these standards on people to be our source of healing. But people keep letting you down because they're humans. And so you keep walking around back to your guardian. And every time that guardian grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And you make vow after vow after vow. Creating more and more space from your level of connectivity and intimacy. Listen, this was this woman. She went from person to person, doctor to doctor. And was she wrong? Not at all. This woman, she knew no better. But listen, the more you put your need of healing onto other people, the more disappointed you're going to end up being. Listen, I believe that surfacey healing can come from humans. Like if, if, if you meet, meet somebody who, who just has so much grace and patience on with you and, and, and loves you and cares for you and serves you the way that a marriage is supposed to be. Like, yes, there can be levels of, of surface healing, but true deep down healing can only come from God. You see, in, in, in this woman, she began to see this. She began to understand this. You see, the story goes with this woman where this woman was not healed, all these doctors, she couldn't be healed. And so one day she's sitting in her house and she hears that this man by the name of Jesus is coming by. And she's heard about this man, Jesus. She's heard that this Jesus can heal. That at one touch or at one verse or verse or verb or whatever word, dear Lord, (laughs) that you can be healed. And so she's sitting in, in this house, and she's like, "This Jesus is coming to town. Crowds are gathering around. If I could just maybe go out to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, he'll heal me if I can come into contact with Jesus. But the reality is this woman is at a crossroads. You see, this woman at this point has to say, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what has happened. I don't care if people begin to see and understand that I still have this issue, that I still have all these things going on in me. I don't care about what people think. I don't care about what people see. I know that I need healing, and he's the only one that can heal me. Listen, this woman understood something that you need to understand, that God cannot heal what you keep concealed. You hear me? God cannot heal what you keep concealed. This woman understood that, that if I sit back in my house, that I may not get healed. That I have to say, you know what, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I feel. This is what I'm experiencing. Step outside of her house, no matter what people think, and say, I have to experience healing. He's the only one that can heal me. God can't heal what you keep concealed. Listen, when we have deep wounds from relationships, whether self-inflicted wounds or wounds that are inflicted on by someone else, it creates this massive level of this little word I like to call shame. Shame. Shame is pain or humiliation caused by a wrong behavior. You've had pain or humiliation in your life caused by yourself or somebody else, and it's caused shame. Now, guilt is different than shame. Guilt is saying, I'm sorry for what I did. Shame is saying, I'm sorry for who I am. Shame is, it plays into your identity. And shame, just like the woman, shame says you're worthless. Shame says you're unwanted. 
Shame says you're defective, that you're inadequate, that you're flawed. Shame says that take what you can get because if people really knew you, they wouldn't want you. Shame says, look, if people really knew the things that happened to you, if people really knew what you did, if people really knew how you felt, then they would not want you. So you better settle or else you're not ever going to get what you think that you deserve. So what we do is we never really let people in. You see, I believe that shame is the ultimate detractor to relationships. So any healthy relationship, shame is the ultimate detractor because shame causes you to bury who you are. Shame keeps you in the dark. And you know what grows in the dark? Shame grows in the dark. And can I tell you, let you into this, that shame is one of the biggest schemes of the enemy. One of the biggest schemes of the enemy. Because shame is in the dark and the enemy works best when you're isolated. The enemy works great in isolation and shame isolates us. Because shame is taking everything that's going on and turning inward and, and away from people. And shame grows in the dark. Listen, the enemy uses shame as a way to get you to believe that no one could ever or would ever want the ugly, sinful, broken parts of you. He tries to get you to believe that. And we feel that and we believe that. So what we do is we conceal our hurts. We conceal our pains. We conceal our sins. We conceal our shame. But you got to understand that the more you conceal, the less that you'll heal. If you want to be healed, then you cannot Concealed. Do you hear me? Listen, can I tell you that God has other plans for you? John 1, 5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Can I tell you that when we take the things that we feel so shameful about and we step in the light, then God can begin to work. Listen, God cannot work in the dark. That God's light shines in the darkness that when, where our shame is at and the light shines, that's when God can begin to move and God can begin to work. Listen, when we bring our wounds in the light, what it does is it chokes out shame and it creates space for God to heal for God to work, for God to move and redeem and restore. So James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. It says, confess. Take the things that are inside of you, the shame that you're feeling, and expose it, and it creates space for God now to move, for God to work, and for God to heal. Amen? Amen. See, some of you have concealed your pain for years. For years, right? Some of you have stuff in your life that no one has ever known about. There's things that you've done in private and in secret that no one ever knows about. And it's created this huge amount of shame inside your heart and inside your soul. Can I tell you that it's time to get it into the light? And I believe that tonight, some of y'all are going to get your shame to the light. And that's what's going to start the trajectory of healing in your life. Exposing the shame So it says that this woman, she walks out of her house and it says that there's large crowds around following Jesus. And it says that this woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. The hem of his garment. Meaning that this woman was literally on her hands and knees crawling through people, crawling through the hot sun and the dustiness of the Middle East and crawling through just to come into contact with Jesus. 12 years of bleeding. This is her opportunity to be healed. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is standing right outside her door. This is her opportunity. And she goes outside of her house and she literally crawls to Jesus and touches the hem of his garment. 
And this is what it says happened. It says, when, I, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt that her body was freed from her suffering. I was reading this story, and I was thinking, you know what? Why, why, did, why did this woman have to, like, walk outside of her house to have this experience with Jesus? Like, if God really knew her, why, why couldn't have Jesus just stopped by her house and knocked on the door and laid hands on her and prayed for her and healed her? Why was it that, that God let this woman suffer for 12 years when he didn't have to? Why, why did this woman have to go through all this turmoil and that she was the one who had to go out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment to be healed? Why was that how she experienced healing? Because I know that she heard of stories where Jesus just walked by and he touched somebody and they were healed in a moment. She heard stories where Jesus healed someone from across the town and they were healed. Why did he heal her this way? Listen, I don't fully know. I don't know why this was, why, how Jesus decided to heal this woman. Here's what I do know though. This summer, I was going through, I was interested in the healings of Jesus. And I went through every single story, every interaction of Jesus healing somebody. And I wrote down every note about what happened, how it happened, how Jesus interacted with them, how they got healed. And I took all these stories and I compiled it into this little spreadsheet. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what are the common themes? How, how can I get healed by Jesus? What do I need to do? What do I need to say to get healed by Jesus? And I came up with this one line. Is that God created you uniquely, and so he'll heal you uniquely. God created you uniquely, and so he'll heal you uniquely. Tyler, you can come on up. Listen, your story is different than the person to the right of you. Your story is different than the person to the left of you. God created you so differently. He, he wove you together so differently. He, he let you experience different, different things than the people next to you. And God heals people differently. But God, for whatever reason, has chosen to wait. Or God, for whatever reason, has chosen for something to, for, or, or, or allowed something to happen. For whatever reason, God allowed your situation to happen the way that it's happening. Listen, I don't believe that it was the will of God, but I believe that God sees your story. He sees that you're unique. And at some point, when he deems worthy, he will heal you in your unique situation. Listen, and that was the story of this woman. She had a unique story. And for whatever reason, God allowed the timing to happen and healed her right in the moment because for whatever reason, that's what she needed. But there's one other thing that I pulled from, from that, my study. Is that God can heal and God wants to heal. That God can heal and God wants to heal. Can I tell you that? Look, look, can you be encouraged by that tonight? Did you know that God can heal you? And that God wants to heal you? God can heal, and he wants to heal. You maybe have thought that you're too damaged, too broken, but God can heal you, and God wants to heal you. You know why? Because that's who God is. That's who God is. The Bible describes God as Jehovah Rapha which means healer, that God is a healer, that God is a restorer, 
that God is, is someone who brings people back to health. It's who he is. The Bible describes God as the great physician. The great physician, the great physician is what healed the woman. All sorts of physicians tried to heal that woman, but the great physician was the one who healed that woman. Listen, our God is a God who restores. Our God is a God who redeems. Our God is a God who heals, amen? Listen, Jeremiah 30, 17 says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declare the Lord. Psalm 103, 3 says, he forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always cares for you. Listen, our God can heal anything. Our God can heal everything. Our God can take the worst trauma, the worst thing that's ever happened, and he can put it back together. That's who our God is. Our God can take the broken pieces. God can take the thing that happened to you when you were five years old. God can take the thing that happened to you when you were 16. God can take the thing that happened to you a few weeks ago, and he can take all those broken pieces, and he can bind them back together, and he can restore, and he can heal, and he can redeem, because our God is Jehovah Rapha. Our God is a healer. But not only that, God is Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of peace. So in your circumstance, in your trial, he can bring peace to your life. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's provider that he can provide for you. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills that he can give you all the resources to take care of you and heal you. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. Amen. That he is all-knowing, all-powerful. That he sees the things that have happened in your life and he's not too small for them. That he knew that was going to happen. Listen, can I tell you from the bottom of my heart that what happened to you, what you experienced, was not the will of God. Don't allow yourself to believe that. Don't allow yourself to believe that, that God wanted this to happen. No, 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 no. There are a lot of other wills at play in our world. That was not God's will for your life. Take okay? it. Come on, understand that, that God, God did not want that to happen. That, that, that God saw what happened, and whether it was self-inflicted or not, that God saw it, and, and he hurt for you. But because our God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he's healer and provider, and he's peace, and he's almighty, Romans 8, 28 says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It wasn't God's will for your life, but God can take those things and he can work them out for the good of those who are called to his purpose. That's who he is. So I, I don't know where you find yourself in this place. But God can heal you. And God wants to heal you, but it's not gonna look like the person to your left or your right. He's gonna heal you uniquely in, the, in, in his timing, in his purpose. But three, three, three quick things as we close. The first thing is this. Is that you have to first accept you need healing. You have to accept it. Honesty precedes healing, okay? You have to accept that you need, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to, you have to admit that, okay, I, I need it. All right, you've been running for so long, you've had all these guardians for a long time. It's time to just, just accept, okay, what happened, happened. 
There's nothing I can do about it. And I just need to accept that I need healing. Number two is give your healing a name. Give it a name. What do you need healing from? I need healing from that moment when a few years back. No, 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 no. What was it? What happened? Give it a name. Because when you give it a name, it, 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 it takes the power away from it. Give it a name. Accept that you need healing and, and give it a name. And number three is, is, is simple, but it's, it's trust God. Tr- trust God with the process. Tr- trust God if he's calling you to forgive. Some of you, healing is going to come through forgiveness. Maybe calling that person. Maybe you don't want to call them. Write a letter to them. Don't even send it to them. Write a letter to them. Tell them what they did and say, I forgive you. And put an X through it and say, it is finished. I'm done. Like maybe it's forgiving. Maybe, maybe you have such a level of shame where you need to tell someone what happened. You need to tell someone what happened to you. Expose it and let God move and let God work. Amen. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for uh, what you're doing, God. You, um, Lord. This brings up a lot of stuff, Lord. There are some people in here where I, I, I wept over them this week. Because I know, Lord, the pain that some people have experienced in this room. And they're so terrified to ever get into a relationship. They're so terrified of ever getting married. God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you'd begin to speak. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, that shame would flee. That the name of Jesus, Lord, what happened to them, Lord God, would begin to flee. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you would bind up every wound. God, that you would begin to heal the broken heart in the name of Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just one question here. There's people in here where you say, you know what, Andrew, that's me. I need healing and I need it badly. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Wow. Praise Jesus. Okay. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all these people. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you begin to speak to them, encourage them, lift them up. Lord, I believe that tonight, God, you're going to move. In the name of Jesus. If you all want to stand your feet, we're going to worship. I'm going to come back up in a couple minutes, and we're going to get after this.